like you were just placed in the right place uh, at the right time for a certain purpose, like you, uh, you were meant to be there. Today we are going to look at a passage of scripture, a, a story of, of two men that uh, maybe had a divine appointment. And we, we, we look at this and we, maybe we, we ask the question, maybe God has sent us to places that we've been unwilling to go, or, or maybe God has placed us in positions that we've, we've, we haven't stepped into yet because of fear or anxiety or worry, but, but maybe God is calling us even today into something that, uh, that he's prepared for us. He's created us as his workmanship. He created it to do good works in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that play out in, in our life? Please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. May God bless the reading and the application of His Holy Word. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He came to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I? unless someone guides me. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, the same passage that Chad read earlier that we, we focused on. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Philip opened his mouth. Beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. Uh, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. There was uh, a man who, at some point, in his journey, he met probably a Jewish evangelist, a, a Jewish uh, man trying to convert him to the Jewish faith. Uh, he was from Nubia. He was uh, in this place, what the scripture says is Ethiopia. Back in the day, now we call it Nubia. It's, it's probably a part of southern Egypt and northern Sudan, the upper Nile by the White Nile region. I hear it's a beautiful place in some ways, some ways not. They've had, uh, in our day, they've had civil war there for some 20 years. It's a, 
place of death and dying and, and destruction now. They need the gospel there. They, they need Jesus Christ in their midst to reign and rule over them to bring, bring about a new life. But uh, back in the day, this Nubian, this eunuch, this, uh, this Ethiopian, as it were, he went to Jerusalem. He, uh, he traveled a thousand miles to go and worship in Jerusalem. Imagine that. What a commitment. How many weeks was that? Riding in the back of a chariot. Sacrifice upon sacrifice, it was. I'm just going to move this a little bit so people can see. Um, he, uh, he went up there and, and he went to worship. Uh, we, we, we look at this man and we're, we're, we're grabbed right away about the word eunuch. And it sends shivers down our spine. <sighs> eunuch. There were, there were customs, there were there were groups back then, there were countries where they actually did castrate young boys with the purpose of serving in, in courts of royalty. Apparently the thinking was if, if there was no sexual desire there, they wouldn't be tempted to uh, you know, sexually with the women of the court or maybe they could be manipulated in certain ways um, to be used in certain ways by the court. It's, it's unknown. They're, they're, over tradition, over time, some countries in the ancient Near East, they stopped the practice, but they kept the word. We don't know in Nubia if, if eunuch is, was literally, he was, he was castrated, uh, or it's just a title, another title for a court official. Traditions go that way. Like Traditions start where you can't even remember why they started. We do that sometimes in the church. But nevertheless, uh, he goes as a Gentile, who converted to Judaism. Uh, Deuteronomy 23 says that if somebody has been emasculated, they can't enter the temple courts. They can't join in the assembly of the people. And he probably went there for a festival of worship. So if he was unable to worship as, as somebody who was emasculated, uh, why would he go? So there's a lot of people who think he wasn't the, you know, this, this guy that had these, this thing happen to him when he was a kid, but he was this court official who converted to Judaism. Uh, all male converts to Judaism from Gentile realms had to be circumcised. Another joyful thought as an adult. Uh, he, is, uh, he was probably baptized as, he, as, he, as, as most of the, the Gentiles that, that converted to Judaism. Uh, they underwent baptism as an outward sign of their transformation into a follower of Yahweh. But he's, he's on his way home. He's worshipped. He's He's uh, celebrated at, at the temple. We don't know if it was Pentecost or Passover or what festival it was a part of, but he's coming home. He's making a thousand-mile journey, and, and as he's on his way, he's, uh, it's, it's possible he'll never come back. He's going to an area where apparently there's, there's no gospel witness. There's nobody there that can speak the name of Jesus as Messiah, to preach the name Jesus as the Lord of all, the one that God has sent the fulfillment of all the promises to Israel of salvation and kingdom. And so he's on the road, and he's at a point, a moment, where he might never come back and never hear the gospel again. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has sent somebody, a spokesman. His name is Philip. Uh, the eunuch didn't know that he had a divine appointment that day, and, and maybe Philip didn't know why he was sent, but they eventually met. We, we met Philip last week. 
Remember the kind of Philip's story? We, we don't know how he came to Jesus Christ. It, it, he probably, he's a Greek speaker. He's, he's uh, not a native Hebrew. Uh, his name, Philip, is, is a Greek name. And uh, he, he, he maybe he came for the festival of Pentecost himself as a Jewish man. He came to worship. And remember when Pentecost came and the Spirit of God fell and Peter preached the gospel and thousands came to Jesus Christ. We're saved, we're forgiven other sins, we're justified in Jesus. Uh, maybe Philip was converted then. We don't know, it could have been months later. But over time, he arose in the church as a faithful man, as a godly man, as a servant of the Lord. And remember, he was appointed by the apostles to serve the Grecian Jewish widows who weren't getting their fair share. The favoritism in the early church uh, favored the Hebraic widows the native people, over the foreigners. And so Philip was among seven who were chosen to distribute the goods, and, and some say these are the first deacons. Uh, he arose, but then Stephen was murdered. Stephen became the first martyr, another deacon. Remember that story from last week? Uh, we got into that a little bit. He, he was cast out of Jerusalem. He was sent on his way, and maybe he was saying, God, I don't know why you're sending me, but here I am. I'm your servant. And as he went to the city of Samaria, he preached. He proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and lots and lots of Samaritans heard the gospel for the first time, and maybe hundreds, maybe thousands came to Jesus Christ, and churches began in the city of Samaria. He was a faithful servant. But on this day, in this time, this place, God has an agenda for him. Have you ever thought that maybe in your life that God has an agenda for you? That he's directed your path in certain ways. He's, he's called you to go certain places. He's put circumstances in your, your journey that move you here instead of here. Well, in Philip's case, it's, it's uh, quite dramatic. An angel of the Lord says, go down to that road. What road, Lord? <laughs> the, the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is probably the road that, remember when uh, Joseph and Mary fled to Egypt with the baby Jesus? It's probably the road that they took to, to, to Africa, that they took to Egypt. Uh, it's a nowhere place. Luke's comment is, is like, it's in the desert. It's kind of like a little sideline there. It, it's, in, in Philip, he's having a great ministry in Samaria. He's preaching the gospel, everything that he thought he could ever do for the Lord. There's fruit of his labors. People are being saved. And God says, hey, go to a nowhere place. Can you imagine? Maybe you can imagine. Your life has seen a different uh, you know, forks in the road where you thought it was going to be there and you're here. I don't know why God allows certain things or why he commands certain things. He, the secret things belong to, to God. The revealed things belong to us and our children, says Deuteronomy. Maybe in your life, in your juncture right now, in the place that he's placed you, with the people he's placed you with, maybe there's a divine purpose in it, a divine appointment. But Philip, uh, you know, he could have said, God... <laughs> Send someone else. I don't want to go down there, but he goes. He obeys. He trusts. 
uh, more amazing revelation. The Holy Spirit speaks to him on the road. Uh, he, he, he goes faithfully, and, and it's, it is in the boondocks. It's kind of like if you've ever traveled around some of the lonely places of the San Luis Valley. Like you can hear the coyotes, and you can hear the, you know, on the asphalt, you can see the dust blow over, and no one's around. I wonder if he's out there just going, why God? Why God? And then, then he sees it. Maybe he hears it before he sees it. He sees the caravan. Luke tells us that, uh, that uh, uh, the eunuch was in a, in a chariot. Now, don't think of a war chariot with a stallion leading the chariot like he's standing behind it, you know, like that kind of a deal. A chariot's more like a cart, more like a wagon kind of a thing. And nobody, here's this, who, who is this eunuch, right? He's, he's the, the treasurer of the queen of, of you know, Ethiopia. He's a court official. He's a very important man, very wealthy man. He's not traveling alone. You don't travel in the desert places like that in, in that time with all the thieves and robbers, all the organized crime back in the day. There's probably a caravan that he was traveling with. And so we're meant to use our imagination. Luke doesn't mention these things, but you can, you can see it. Travel along, and, and there's a caravan. Maybe that's why I'm here. Maybe even at your workplace today, you're, you're, you're thinking, why am I here? Why am I with these people at this time, this place? So Philip is open to the Spirit. The Spirit says, go by that chariot. And he goes by that chariot. Sovereign God has directed him to a certain place, a certain time, a certain chariot. And the providence of God is such that God working behind the scenes to accomplish his perfect plan, Isaiah 53 is being read. Now, you got to understand, back in the day, they weren't Bibles floating around everywhere. Uh, a lot of people were illiterate, illiterate. They didn't need the scrolls. In a scroll, to copy a scroll, like the book of Isaiah, it's a very expensive thing back in the day. For him to have a scroll is just an amazing thing. And they, they, didn't read, and they didn't read silently either. The tradition was you read aloud so everybody can hear. And so by the province of God, here's, here's Philip. Go stand by that chair. And, and, and the, the eunuch, either someone's reading it or you, the eunuch's reading it. And, and, and he's reading Isaiah 53 about this servant whose life was taken away for the benefit of others. What we sub celebrated here at the table. Jesus' life was taken away, was crushed, was destroyed. His blood poured out for us. Now, this maybe was the first time the eunuch had ever read that passage. And we're meant to understand, he's probably, it's probably the whole of Isaiah 53. Luke gives us, this, you know, the scrolls were tight, so he, he squishes it in there. It's an amazing moment where God sets up a man to hear the gospel. And so Philip, uh, he, he's, he's there, and he realizes that God had him there for a purpose. He, the guy's reading it, and, and Philip, you know, it, it's kind of a dangerous thing to approach a caravan because they're watching for thieves. They're watching for robbers. Here's this, here's this guy, you know, moseying up to the rich man, the guy who pays the bills. It's a very easy way to get a spear in your chest. But he did it because God told him to do it. And so he, he comes up there, and he's here in Isaiah 53, and he knows at that moment, God placed me at this time for this purpose. Hey, rich man in the chariot, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, how can I? Whom is being talked about here? Is it Isaiah? Is it the prophet himself or someone else? 
uh, in, in history, a lot of the Jewish people thought that uh, Isaiah 53 was talking about the nation as a servant, the nation of Israel as the servant that would be destroyed for others. But Jesus taught us that Isaiah 53 speaks of him, and so that's what Philip preached. It, it's, 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 it's an amazing, incredible province of God comes together. Who would have thought that in the middle of the, of the, the boondocks, in the middle of nowhere, who would ever think that even in a place like Lahara, Colorado, there could be divine appointments, or Manasseh, Colorado, or even in Hooper, Colorado, that people could meet God because God sends people again and again and again. He sends his people out again and again and again with a message of life, with a message of salvation, with a message of the kingdom of God come. The kingdom of God is coming. Repent and believe the good news. Man, it's, it's a beautiful moment when, when he says, when you start walking him down, who is this talking about? Let me tell you, it's about Jesus. Have you heard of Jesus? And you can imagine all the scriptures, man, from the Old Testament that, that he shared. And, and Jesus fulfilled this and Jesus fulfilled that. Jesus, I came to understand him as, as, as the Messiah. I came to understand him as the Lord. I trusted in him. And you know that, that, that uh, Philip shared that the eunuch needed to believe in Jesus for salvation. But he told him about repentance and faith. And he explained to him about baptism and the significance of baptism. And, and who knows how long they're on this road. Is it hours? Is it a half a day? Who knows? But it, it's, it's, Philip is, man, for all the things that he accomplished, all the things that he'd done, I, I bet his, his heart is just warm. And he's just so excited. And he's so thankful for the opportunity to watch someone cross over from death to life. Watch someone be born again. Watch someone be rejoicing in the Lord for salvation. It, it's, it's a great, great picture for us to look at. And, and so the man says, hey, maybe they, they came by a, a stream, maybe, maybe a river, maybe there's a lake. And he says, hey, there's water. You told me that baptism is a way that I signify my, my outward stance, that, that I'm making a statement, that I'm walking with Jesus now, that I belong to him. Let's do it. Can we do it? So they got in the water, and, and there's an immersion, there's a baptism, there's a putting down in the water. You, you understand, again, the, the picture of that. I can't, I can't get over how beautiful baptism is, right? When, when someone comes out of the water, it's, it's a picture of new life, of, of, of something's come alive in a person. The Spirit of God is, is teaching us through that picture. When someone's laid down in the water, the end of a person, end of a life, that death and dying old body, that, that flesh, that evil, dead. And coming to life to live forevermore. And, and the guy is rejoicing. And, and I think he comes out of the water. He's like, Philip? Philip? Because <laughs> you see the, the text, right? That uh, Philip was taken away. But the man's like, eh, praise God. <laughs> I, I'm part of the kingdom of God now. I'm under the reign of the king. God has me. No matter what evil comes about in Ethiopia, no matter what troubles or trials comes my way, I have life. I'm safe forevermore. Uh, we, we don't know the story about, uh, you know, what happened to Philip exactly. It's kind of mysterious. Snatched up, you know, taken. What, what's the, the, the town there? Azotus, I think it is. Yeah. 
uh, ancient Ashdod, if you'd read through the Old Testament, like before the monarchy came with Solomon and you know, Saul and, and, uh, and David, um, the Philistines were always giving Israel a hard time, right? The, the Philistine empire was, you know, so the five cities of, of the Philistines, Ashdod was a big part of that, uh, Azotus. Azotus like, is the next city up from Gaza on the Mediterranean Sea. He's snatched up there. But look what Philip does. He moves on from that situation. He's like this guy that's always available. He's always ready to serve. He's always ready to go wherever. He just keeps preaching wherever he goes. You know, you, you wonder about his financial situation. How's he making it? <laughs> you know, all, all the details of that. But here's this man. And, and we get into later into Acts, into, I think it's Acts 21. We see that he's been in Caesarea for 20 years. Like, uh, he has four daughters at that point, uh, you know, 20 years later or whatever, that are prophetesses. <laughs> uh, fascinating story. What, what, a, what a great thing that this, this man came to life. He was, was saved, and then he was baptized and um, beautiful moment. We wonder about our, uh, our, our calling these days. You know, is this meant for us? Is this, is this a prescription for us? Is this uh, the way it should be for us, that we should be always waiting around for a divine appointment? Or does it happen more randomly? Uh, as we come to the book of Acts, one of the things I'm going to mention to you again and again is that these are historical accounts a bunch of things that happened in history that God has lined up uh, is showing us the, what Jesus said in Acts 1.8, that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And this in Acts chapter 8 is kind of an ends of the earth story because this is apparently the first African convert. He goes down to Nubia and, and he, what, what do you think he did there? He shared his new faith in Jesus Christ and, and it spreads. But here's all these stories, all these accounts. Are they meant to be exactly followed? Are they meant to be, you know, these are the precise ways that we, we should do them? Probably not. These are unique circumstances, unique circum, uh, situations. Uh, they're descriptions that are meant to motivate us and challenge us and, and to make us realize that God's still at work and God's still sending people and that we are part of a great, a great group of people that through the centuries has been sent. As God sent Philip, as God called Philip and sent Philip, we're sent. We've been called. We're God's people bringing good news to the earth, the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. But we, we wonder, like, so, so it's a unique situation. I mean, after Pentecost and the spread of the church, unrepeatable events. But God still sends. God still calls people. Because God still loves people today, just like he loved people back then. God wanted the Nubian, the eunuch, to be saved. And God still wants people to be saved today. Or, 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 or do we throw out scriptures that, that state those things? I, I, I kept thinking about... Uh, this week, I, I kept thinking about Romans 8.28 and just the, the, the power of that. And we know that those whom the, who love God, all things work together for good, that those have been called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that 
he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It, that, 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 that golden chain, as it were, of, of God foreknowing and God predestining and God calling. God justifying and God ultimately glorifying. It's still going on today. God still calls people today. How does he call people today? It wouldn't it be great? I mean, if I were going to give God some suggestions, watch out for the lightning bolt. I'd say, why don't you use angels? I mean, your messengers, angel, you know, means messenger. Why don't you use your messenger? I mean, he spoke well enough to fill up. Why don't you go tell all the lost people I know, send an angel to them? And, and God, I think, says, that's not my purpose. That's not my plan. That's not how I do things. Well, God, why don't you just send the Holy Spirit to all the lost people around all, all the world and, and tell them to believe in Jesus. Tell them how to be saved. And God says, that I, that's, not my, that's not my way. That's not how, how I, I've planned for the world to hear the gospel. God has chosen to use people. The call comes through people. The call of salvation, the call of, uh, to seek forgiveness of sins, the call of justification comes through people. And so he still, he still is doing it today. And, and, and you know, I, does, does, he, does he send angels to tell Christians to go here and there? It happens. It, it hasn't happened to me that way. Does he, does he uh, use the Holy Does the Holy Spirit come and speak to people and say, go here, go there. He does, but it, it usually doesn't happen to me like that. God's providence it does set things up. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't, because sometimes we're not looking for it. But God puts us in the places at times in, in amazing ways. So, so not to everybody, it doesn't happen regularly. But who's to say that God hasn't set you up for a divine appointment? Who's to say that you aren't in the midst of something right now where you're being placed in a position to share the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ? Who's to say that God can't use you today in that way? For again, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us. Who's to say that you aren't for such a time as this, placed in that place of business you're at, in that school you're at, in that family you're in, that you're wondering why I'm placed in this family. Um, Philip was placed on a collision course, a divine appointment with the eunuch at just the right time, at just the last moment before the eunuch went down to Nubia, went down to Africa forever. Maybe, uh, maybe your days are short. Over the last six months, we keep losing Christians from this community. Godly men and women keep going home. Who's to say that maybe your time, that God is, who's to say that you haven't been placed at this time, this place, to bring the gospel to somebody? I don't know. But why did God use Philip? Whom does God use for these things? It seems, and if I apologize, 
if I, I'm stepping on your toes here, I apologize if I'm mis misspoken here. I, I don't know your story. I don't know your journey right now. But it's my assumption that many Christians today haven't made sharing the gospel higher in our priority list. It's my assumption that many of us haven't made glorifying Jesus by spreading the gospel a big part of our life. Many of us, honestly, because of the world's uh, demands, the world's preaching at us about what we should do, many of us aren't on mission right now. Is, is that fair to say? And I, I wonder, like, how, how many times have we been placed in a position by God's grace and by God's power that we've just, our eyes haven't been open to it, or our ears haven't heard it, we, we haven't sensed it because we aren't thinking about it. We haven't committed to the path of being sent. We, we haven't uh, made it a part of our life. We've been, been, become comfortable in our life. We've been, become comfortable chasing the things of the world. We've been, become comfortable just living for ourselves. And, and we forget we're on mission. Wh whom does God use? I, I look at a man like Philip, man. He's always available. He's always looking. He's always ready to go. He's flexible. He's like, here am I, Lord. Send me. And I, I honestly, there's times where I have that spirit and other times where I don't. Maybe you're the same way. <clears throat> what should we do with this text? We, we know we're sent, and, and we believe that there's a sovereign God who sends his people, and there's a God of providence and power who's likely wanting to use us, who's putting us in the positions to share Jesus Christ for people who are lost. Uh, I, I think there, there's many things we can say, many, you know, Maybe first it starts with repentance. Maybe first it starts with getting in alignment with, with God and saying, Lord, uh, maybe I have been afraid of men. Maybe I've been afraid of losing my reputation. Maybe I've been afraid of, of being cast out. Maybe I'm afraid of losing my job. Maybe I'm afraid of my family disowning me. Maybe, my, maybe it's a time of, Lord, deliver me from that fear of people. Deliver me from that fear of loss. Deliver me, Lord, from, from that way of thinking. And maybe, Lord, help me get in alignment with your will. I want to be obedient to you. Maybe that's the way to start. Surrendering again to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and remembering again that he has sent us with the gospel that saves lives forever. Uh, maybe it's, it's starting to pray for people. And again, I don't want to step on toes, but... Have you been praying for anybody lately that's lost in your family? Or have you kind of washed your hands of that? The people you work with, you, maybe you're, you go home and complain about their worldliness, about their wickedness, but have you prayed for them to come to life? The people you go to school with, man, the dastardly deeds they do, <laughs> the wicked things they participate in, and, and oh, Lord, strike them. Oh, Lord, should I send fire down on them? And maybe the Lord's saying, maybe you should share the gospel with them. Of course, they're lost. They're going to do what lost people do. But is anybody praying for them? Is anybody looking for opportunities to share the gospel with them? The people on our blocks that are headed for a Christless eternity. Uh, so so maybe, maybe it's starting, starting with us, the scripture, 
Lord, uh, I turn my life over to you, and, and if you want to send me, here I am. And maybe you start to pray for opportunities. Maybe you start to look for opportunities. Maybe there's things that happen every day where you could share this, or you could open up this, or plant this seed uh, in their life. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you a story about a neat lady I met in the Philippines. Uh, I'll call her Ati Mao. She had a longer name than that, but... Uh, she was a retired school teacher, and I'll never forget her heart for her village. Um, she, uh, when, when we moved to the Philippines, Elizabeth and I, and, and we started doing the missionary thing, you know, learning the trying to learn the language. I never got very good at Tagalog. I never got very good at things like that. Uh, tried to love people, but man, after a while, she, she trusted me with something. She said, one day I'm going to take you to my village. And, and I said, okay, that's cool. I'd love to go to your village. And so she told me, hey, would you prepare a gospel message for my people? You see, in the, in the Philippines, it's a mountainous country with lots of islands. Uh, the dialects, there's so many different dialects, so many different languages. The national language, but then, like in the southern Luzon where we live, uh, the Bicol region, there, there's all these Bicolano dialects, right? For the mountain ranges separate people. And there's these tribes here and there. She says, I'm going to take you to my village, and I want you to share the gospel with them. It, it was like, Wow. It, it was a big deal to her because she didn't grow up in the faith. She, she came to Jesus Christ later. She finished her career, but she dreamed of going back to her people. And, and she saw this white guy, this American, come. And she said, guess what? You're going to be the bait. <laughs> she didn't say it that way, but I knew what she was thinking. I was going to be the attraction. Because back in, the, you know, there's, there's a lot of Americans in the Philippines. There's a lot of Australians and different people. Like they're used, many people are used to seeing uh, Anglos there. But in her village, no. So one day we got in. The, we got. I, I drove. I, I, I took our truck and we drove to this. This you know got off the highway, got into this dirt road, and we came to this this tidal river, and it, you know it was hard to get to. But there was this little dock with these canoes, that, like these flat bottoms canoes, and, and they, they had they had engines, they had motors in the back. We got in there, and I was thinking this is cool, and, and then we started up the river, and hours later. We took a, a right-hand turn to another river, <laughs> and my butt was getting sore. Are we there yet? You know, no, it's still farther. And she told me a story. When I, was a, when I was a little girl, man, there used to be crocodiles in this river. We couldn't, I was like, that's cool. Hold my hand out of the water <laughs> kind of deal. And we kept going, and we kept going, and we, we came to this place, and finally we docked, you know, and she, you know, the guy, she said, come back in eight hours kind of deal, so he left, and we, we're walking through the jungle, and we come to this place where she grew up, Atimau, and, uh, and you know, the, the greetings, and, and she had gathered a crowd. I don't know how she got word there. I didn't see any cell phones at that point, but man, she gathered, gathered a crowd, and I think, again, she took advantage of the opportunity. She said, man, these people would love to meet an American, and she said, man, greet them, and so, you know, we had chicken adobo, we had different, different Filipino dishes there, it was special, and we got to the point of, hey, now, Pastor Jerron, share the gospel. It was this beautiful moment where they, they were intent, and, and they were listening, and, 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 but her, her deal was, you guys, if you could have seen her, have you ever been in a place where someone was translating for you, and you say something, and they say something, and, and they're roughly equivalent? Here's how it went. I would speak for about 30 seconds, and then she'd preach for like three minutes. <laughs> it was beautiful. I, I could, you know, I could hardly speak Tagalog, but she, she was speaking in her own Bicolano dialect, 
and the, the, the expression on her face, like she had, me, she had me lead, but man, her heart was in it. And she looked into their eyes and she pleaded for them to come to Jesus Christ, right? And it, was, it was this glorious moment where she took advantage of an opportunity. She was looking for years. She'd been praying, how do I reach my people? <laughs> she went home very happy that day. As some of her relatives and some of the people of her village heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time, she used an idiot, a prop, to bring forth the word of God. And uh, maybe that was the first time they had ever heard about a Savior who loved them, who died on the cross for them, who died so they could have forgiveness, who died that they could be justified and declared righteous in the sight of God. Um, that spirit, that heart, may that be every one of us, that we remember that we've been sent. And we look at our circumstances, and we start looking at the people around us, the lost people, and, and we start saying, maybe, maybe him, Lord, maybe her, Lord. Have you placed, even today, the opportunity to share the gospel with them? Have you set me up for this place, for these people? Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, use me. Lord, speak through me today. And if we take on that, that spirit and that heart and that willingness, what could God do? God can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. Even through fools like me and children, people can hear about Jesus Christ, repent and believe in him, and enter and receive the kingdom of God. May it be. Brothers and sisters, we are sent. Let's go. For such a time as this, we don't know how long until the world ends. We don't know how long until things come crashing down, until judgment comes from on high, until the Lord Jesus comes back to to redeem his people. He's inaugurated the kingdom. One day he's going to consummate the kingdom. Let's not waste our time. Go. Be committed to the mission. We're sent. And maybe even this week, if you're looking for it and you're praying for it and you're seeking it, maybe God's going to show you that this person has been set up just for you, a divine appointment, so that they could cross over from death to life through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Mm-hmm.